Hey y'all, I'm Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in our community. My guest today is the Honorable Lupe Valdez. Lupe has spent more than four decades in public service and law enforcement, most recently serving as Sheriff of Dallas County. Lupe was elected to four terms as Sheriff and served from 2005 to 2017. As sheriff, she addressed conditions in county jail facilities, including overpopulations and the health concerns of mentally ill inmates. Prior to becoming sheriff, Lupe worked to protect the lives and property of American citizens at home and abroad as a captain in the U.S. National Guard and as a federal agent. Thanks so much for joining me, Lupe. Hey, what a pleasure. Wonderful. Well, so for those folks who maybe don't know you quite as well as, uh, as I do, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into your career in law enforcement. <clears throat> well, um, I was the HL of migrant workers, and um, of course there was ten of us, eight, eight children, and my mom and dad. <clears throat> and somewhere along the way, my mom got really smart and figured out that in order to get ahead, you have to have an education. I, I renamed it Educate to Elevate. And so, uh, although we were the last two children, uh, my brother and I were the last two children, um, she managed to get us in school. Back then in the 40s, I am a little older than most people think I am. Back then in the 40s, uh, you couldn't be a migrant worker and go to school. They wouldn't accommodate that you coming in in the middle of the seasons or coming in at the end of the season. So you either were a migrant worker or you went to school. And at one point she just set her foot down and said, my last two are gonna get educated. So that's what ended our migrant working because my mom decided we were going to go to school. Now that's a, sh a long way to get around how I became into <laughs> law enforcement. When I got in the military, I joke and say, I got into law enforcement because I was hungry. When I got out of the military, I went to the unemployment office and I said, I need a job. And the gentleman said, the only thing we have is a jailer and you have 18 months of unemployment, so why don't you just take that till something comes up. And I said, you don't understand. If you don't give me a job, I'm gonna get in trouble. So let's <laughs> give me a job. So um, the guy said, well, here, try out for a jailer. And that's how it started. I went in and became a jailer in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, didn't last long as a jailer. I went from a jailer to a, to a case manager, to a, et cetera, et cetera. And then I joined the federal system as a jailer I was a correctional officer, um, and then from there I went on to become a federal agent with two or three organizations, and basically that was the career. And, I, and it, it has always been, uh, wherever you're at, make the best of it, and then make it better, and keep trying to get ahead. And that's what I did at every step of the way, whether from a jailer to a case manager to a federal jailer to a et cetera, et cetera. You just keep trying to become better get make the job better you become better and you can't fail you just keep going and what inspired you to uh leave federal agencies and dea and, and run for sheriff of dallas county um in in my federal job i worked with a lot of locals we had task force this and task force financial task force a drug task force a organized crime task force and in each one of these there was members from the local law enforcement. And one of the things I realized that the, the sheriff's office at that time had a terrible reputation. They would beat up inmates, they would beat up whoever they stopped, 
they would cheat, they would take stuff from people. And yet those guys that I work with were really good guys. So, and, and talking to them, you know, they said, there's a lot of good people in there. They're just not giving the, the chance to flourish. And then when I went and talked to the Democratic Party, they said, why don't we give them the chance to flourish? You run for sure. Um, I wasn't thinking of running, but they, they brought it up that I should run. They said, we've been looking at you and we know you have a good reputation, you have a good attitude. And then I said, you know I'm lesbian, don't you? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we gotta work on how we're gonna deal with that one. This was <clears throat> two decades ago, so it was a total different world. And and um, and you were elected as the first openly lesbian Latina sheriff in the country. In yes, Dallas, in Dallas County. In Dallas County, in the U.S. and and for the 13 years that I was there, I was the only Latina lesbian uh, Hispanic uh, 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 in the sheriff in the United States. Um, I don't know if there was some closeted ones, but nobody came out. <laughs> I was in. Um, but the, the important thing was that um, we, we went at it and we tried. I will share that before I made any decision, I, I would um, communicate with a higher being. And I remember as running for sure, uh, they, they said, well, tell us if you're going to run or not. And I said, give me two weekends. And I went off by myself. I love to take what I call the silent retreat. No phones, no TV, no radio, no music, no nothing, just silence. And I went off, somebody had a cabin by a lake and they let me borrow it. And I went off for two weekends, actually three to four days each weekend. And, um, and my comment was, if I can mentor, if I can make a difference, if I can improve, then I want to run. And in each time when I when I wrestled with God on these situations, the answer was always yes. Yes, it can happen. And and the sheriff's department at that time was not, it had a reputation for not being very friendly, um, not being very accepting, very friendly. There was very few minorities out on the road. Um, they were all in the jails, um, even as correctional officers. So, um, Anyway, that's that's what made me decide that I needed to get in there and make a difference. And when the answer came back yes on every one of them, I said, okay, I'll go for it. And we went for it. Well, and you really improved conditions and oh, with the overpopulation and, and the mental health um, of, of a lot of the inmates there um, in, our, in our Dallas County jails. Kind of, what are you most proud of your accomplishments uh, as sheriff? Wow, that's hard to say. And when I say, when I say, we, it was, I had to have a help from a lot of people. It was the Sheriff's Department, the Commissioner's Court, the maintenance of, of the county, uh, Parkland, which is the county hospital. Um, I wish I had the pictures, because I literally have pictures like night and day of what it looked like when I came in and what it looked like a year later. And just a picture of a shower that had grime and stickiness all over it that now was shining. Um, what am I the most proud of? It's, it's hard to pinpoint. I know that we provided mental health um, uh, counseling 
and and actually we built a, we built a hospital again when i say we the commissioners parkland us maintenance all of us together we built a 400 bed hospital inside the jail which is almost unheard of wow most most texas counties don't have a 400 bed hospital and here we have one in the jail and so there was a lot of improvement made on the mental health side it actually got to the point where a real mentally ill person would come in and we would um, balance them and, and, and get them to the point where they, they could function. So that wasn't really anything. But I think what I'm most proud of is giving people opportunity. When I first came in, there was no minorities on any management level, or there was a token one here and there. And I would ask, um, how do you choose your leaders? And they'd say, well, we get into a, a room and we get a panel and then people apply. And I said, who's your panel? So-and-so, 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 so-and-so. Oh, brus white guys. And, I, and in my head, I thought, well, will a minority ever have a chance? And, and um, we got to the point where we changed the qualification. We changed the the arrangements. Qualifications were still just as strong, but you couldn't see the person. You'd only see the paper and their answers. You couldn't see if they were male or female, black or white or Asian or American Indian or whatever. You would only see their answers. And all of a sudden, all these, I joke and say, the minorities got real intelligent after we did this because all of a sudden, all of them are, are qualified for promotion. And that's not, that's, I'm not saying that's what I'm proud of. I'm proud of giving people the opportunity. I think I can, I can best explain it by this story. I was driving to a council meeting. There's 31 cities in Dallas County. I was driving to a council meeting and I was early. So I pulled over where there was two sheriff's vehicles at a McDonald's. I'm not a fast food eater, but you know, I saw their vehicles, so I decided to pull in. I pulled in, I started to look around. There was two big, big white guys sitting there. I call them farmer boys, big husky farmer boys, white guys. And I just walked up and of course they recognized me immediately. And I said, you mind if I sit down with you? I got a little time. And so I sat down with them and they, we started talking and they were big old farm boys. They were coming from another county and they worked for us because they could make more money. And so we just started talking. And then, and then right in the middle, one of them says, ma'am, two syllables, ma'am. <laughs> says, ma'am, we didn't know what you were like when you first came in, and we weren't sure we were gonna like you, but we're sure glad you got rid of the good old boy system. And I remember sitting there, and I almost teared up, but I couldn't do it in front of them, you know, because we're cops, you can't do that. And there's two big old white guys saying, we're sure glad you got rid of the big old, the good old boy system. Because all it said is, now there's fairness on the table. And we can come as we are, and it's going to be fair. So I guess when you say, what am I most proud of? I think it's giving everybody an opportunity. Not only our employees, but the inmate and, and the maintenance worker and all of these people, giving, a, giving them a cleaner area to work in. You, I remember one officer, one correctional officer said to me, please, ma'am, just get us some cleanup help. We just need to clean this place up. And, um, and we did all that. 
We, as I said, the group, I remember one officer said to me, the, the mental health unit was on the eighth floor and there's something about body functions that, they're, that they love. And so one officer said to me, the mental health unit is on the eighth floor. You can smell it when you come in on the first floor. And so uh, two years later, he says, I can't smell it. I'm walking in on the first floor and I can't smell it. I'm walking up on the seventh and eighth floor and I can't smell it. So giving everybody a better place to work, a better opportunity at working, I think would be what, I, what I'm the most proud of. Well, that's a long way to tell you. <laughs> that's no, that, that those are, you have so many incredible stories and you really have been such an incredible tra trailblazer for, for women, for minorities. And, and as you said, even helping those who might be benefiting from the good old boy system, but are really glad to see it dismantled. I, I think you've truly trailblazed in that sense. So what do you find to be the most misunderstood thing about law enforcement? I think they stereotyped us like anybody else. I remember talking to, um, you know, everybody's got the cop story. Everybody's got the cop story. This cop stopped me and he was unfair. Nah, nah, nah. And so I got so used to hearing that, that one day I went into a doctor's office and he says, well, I got this cop story. And I said, I'll listen to it as long as you let me tell you the doctor stories that I have. <laughs> and I said, I bet you that for every one cop story that you have, I have about three doctor stories. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, you're right. And um, the thing is, um, what I said to him then is, when you make a mistake, you know, which was done with me, I couldn't walk for three months because a doctor made a mistake, it's not in the evening news. When the cops make a mistake, it's in the evening news. And some of them are intentional and those we have to get rid of. But often it's mistakes. Uh, um, and, and I'm not saying it's more mistakes than not because we do have to get rid of the bad cops. But you have to understand, the majority of us go in there to serve and protect. I've said this several times. We go in there to serve and protect, not hate and discriminate. We go in there to do what we think is right. And I can literally tell you story after story after story after story of cops who have done gone way beyond, way beyond what they were supposed to to help somebody along the way. One time, um, I, I heard it from SPCA of all places, the animal rescue place. I saw where one of my cops went over there and they did a story on him. And I said, did any of you know this? I, I said to my staff, which was uh, nine chiefs and a whole bunch of sergeants and captains and everything else. I said, did any of you know this? He said, no, none of us knew it, but I think his sergeant knew about it. What he did was there was, uh, there was this family that was coming in. They didn't have a job. The gentleman had, had received a job in Dallas and they were coming in and they ran out of gas. So they were on the side of the road. So what he did was he took them and, and, and they had a wreck. So his car had to be fixed. So he took the family and he took them over to this little hotel and he paid for three nights for them, but the hotel wouldn't take the dog. So he took the dog and he went over to SPCA and he said, can you lodge him for three days, three or four days, and I will pay you for it. While these people get on their feet, he's got a job, 
He just needs to get to it and start. So in three days, he came back and he paid for the little doggy who had been in SPCA for three days, and he took it back to the family. And they asked him, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And he told them. He told them what he was doing, and SPCA put it on their newspaper, and that's how I found out about it. My cop, my employee, was doing all this stuff, and I didn't even know about it. And there's story after story after story after story of cops that are doing right and doing good things. And, uh, and, and but those aren't the ones that make the media. If it, if it bleeds, it leads. Those are not the stories they want. They want the other stories. And we have both. But um, we hear a lot of the other ones. And again, I could tell you in other departments of things I've heard officers do that goes way beyond what, what they should be doing. And, and, and just like any other profession, they do that. But just like any other profession, we have the ones that don't do um, what we hope and train them to do. As a matter of fact, I, I had to fire a few to make examples. Not to make examples, but they were not good cops. And the other ones, I would say to them, I would say to a lot of them, you may be prejudiced, but you better not show it here. There's not a single one of us that doesn't have some kind of prejudice. And I would say to them, I know it's in us, but you can't show it here. If you show it here, you're gonna get fired. And so it became simple. They would just do what they're supposed to do. Well, I mean, obviously you've had so many years of experience and things have changed a lot since you started your career. I mean, everyone has a camera in their hand all the time with their cell phone. And so what would you tell someone, a young person or whatever age person, what would you tell someone who's thinking about going into a career in law enforcement? I, I loved it. I loved it. There was no single, they would ask, what is your typical day like? Uh, what is it? Is there such a thing as a typical day? <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't go to a desk and go over the emails and go over the, unless you're in management, of course. Uh, but the typical day of law enforcement, you, you don't know what it's going to be. You can birth a baby or chase a crook. I mean, it's just, or you can help a dog or, I mean, there's just, there, it's just a, it's a neat, neat thing that you don't know what's gonna, and there's no such thing as a, as a hot day or a cold day. Oh, I don't wanna go, it's snowing outside, we can't go, there's ice. There's no such thing. You just go out there, whether it's at 110 degrees or if it's a minus 10, you know, you go out there and do your job. And, and the funny thing, and, and, and we always discuss, you gotta be a little crazy to be, a, to be in law enforcement. You know, if there's something going on, people run away from it. Somebody's shooting, people run away from it. What do the cops do? Run straight toward it. Because that's, a, that's the spirit in you that we're gonna fix whatever is going on. Because we're gonna try to help the community so that they don't have to deal with that issue. So we're gonna go right at it. And, and uh, if somebody's shooting, if there's a fire, if there's something, everybody runs away from it, we run toward it. And, and, and so I always, I always joke and say, we should have some kind of examination. Are you crazy enough to, to do this job? <laughs> because um, it does require you to go past your fears. It's not that we're not afraid. It's just that we just go right past the fear and go right through it and do it anyway. So I think what I would say to somebody coming up is, if you wanna help your community, 
If you want to help your family, if you want to help yourself, this is the job to do it. But if you do it wrong, you're going to hurt all three. If you do it right, you're going to help all three. That, that's so true and, and such remarkable insight. Thanks so much for tuning into the first of two Dickies Doing Good episodes with the Honorable Lupe Valdez. She has an incredible story and we so appreciate her taking the time to share it with us. Please look for next week's episode where we continue our conversation with Lupe Valdez. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.